What's brewing, ATX? I'm Ian Grossman, alongside my co-host, Gregory S. Carlson. How's it going, Greg? I'm fired up, man. Fired up. Hey, yeah. Jonathan Ratcliffe. What's up, what's up? Thank you for joining us for another episode. We've got another good one for you today. Oh, yeah. Remember, this is your one-stop shop for all things ATX. From tips on the food and beverage scene, to developments in the real estate world, to interviews with local small businesses and those making a big impact in the community. And of course, each week we feature a local beer, wine, or spirit, so you can get your little taste of all that Austin has to offer. This week, we'll be interviewing the man, the myth, the manager. <laughs> Guilty as charged. The general manager of Everly, Tyler Nauman. What's going Nauman. on, guys? Welcome. It's like, Welcome. Nah, man. Nah, no, man. No, man. Thank you for, for coming on. Absolutely. Um, as always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at What's Brewing ATX. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to us. Mm. Hit us with a five-star rating. Five stars. There you go, Jonathan. Let us know if you have any suggestions on topics or guests that might be perfect for our show. We're always open to, to suggestions. Perfect guests. And be sure to stick around for the end of the episode. We've got our weekly brew where this week we'll talk about which Austin suburb landed near the top of the list of best cities for young families in the United States. Oh, shoot. It's another Austin city. I another Austin suburb. to hear that one. On a top list. Yeah. But before we get started with our topic, of course, we got to do some drinking. Jonathan, <laughs> what do we got today? Yes, 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 of course. So, for the first time on the show, and we are on episode 12, we are introducing a wine to the drinking game. So, we're going to be sipping on 1851 Vineyards. Have any of you ever had this? No, I've not. This. never heard not, of it. No, All you right. haven't heard of it. I've uh, not. I've not. Cool. This is a local Fredericksburg wine. So, in case listeners don't know about Fredericksburg, this is basically our wine country, our Napa Valley, the Texas of, wine country. Yes, um, which is it's crazy. If you guys haven't been out there recently, I just went like a month ago for the mm. first time, and mm. it was just wild. Like we went to like ten wineries in the course of two days. It's really cool. Who's we? My lady and I. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. Not so us. Nice. Name, not us name. anywhere. <laughs> oh, no, she can be named. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but today we are, well, I guess I'll tell you a little bit about 1851 Vineyards. So this is an up-and-coming winery started in 2016, uh, located, mm. again, right off um, Highway 16 in Fredericksburg, the heart of Fredericksburg. Mm. So Carl Hilmar Genther started building Pioneer Flour Mills uh, in the, on the property in 1851, hence the name, huh. only to relocate to downtown San Antonio after the floods washed away his flour mill. Mm. While, um, while the mill, once located on the edge of Live Oak Creek, no longer exists, still lies the original barn, the main house, and the guest house, as well as the smokehouse built uh, on the heart of the property and they serve as kind of a Texas historical landmark. So what? this place is not only an awesome new vineyard that's been around for a couple of years, but also has some really cool that's sights to see. So drink your wine and get a little taste of history. Yep. That's cool. And the specific wine that we're drinking today is the Rouge red wine, um, which is a light-bodied wine with strawberry notes, which we recommend serving chilled, hence I did chill it. Yeah, like chilled red wine. What, what to temperature? Fifty-four degrees, Whoa. actually. Wow. I don't know exactly what it was. I, put, I threw it in there <laughs> we'll for about an hour. We'll take your word on. Um, and enjoy it with some heavy meals or with sushi. So it says. We don't have any meals today, but we're going to enjoy it. So let's crack this sucker open. Let's do it. And of course, you're the probably owner, the fastest. Or the GM of Everly happened to have a wine key in his <laughs> pocket. Just yeah, that was just part of the gear. That was an accident, by the way. I would have liked to have seen what would happen if I didn't bring the wine key. Yeah, we would have to figure that one out. We would have done the old just crack it open. I don't Man. really know what we would have done, honestly. But, all right. You can smell it. Boom. Wafting. 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 Do you, are you a big wine drinker? 
Uh, so wine's an interesting category for me. Um, I oh. kind of learned wine because it was part of the job yeah. versus mm. necessarily being a passion project for me. Um, I wrote wine lists for three or four years, up to 200 different labels, uh, ranging from prices of probably like $25 up to $3,000. Wrote wine labels? Oh, what's that mean? Wrote wine lists, like you pick them all out. Oh, lists. Yeah, yeah which lists. is a job that I just did because wow. someone had to do it. Um, yeah. And it was a great way for me to kind of learn the industry, learn the distribution side, learn the vendor side, the vendor relationship side. Uh, actually, a little fun fact about myself is been in the service industry, the restaurant industry, for coming up on 15 years. And I just went to my first winery ever. What? On wow. Friday. Which one was it? Uh, I was in D.H. Cone in the Glen of Sonoma. So I was up in Sonoma and Napa. Oh, wow. Okay. So you that was your Sonoma. Yeah. Huh. That was your first winery. First winery you ever. you think that turned over a new leaf for you? Because, I mean, are you going to get more into, into, it's, into wine now? Yeah, it was really interesting to, like, drive through those areas. Me and my wife kind of drove through. Yeah. And, like, to see all the different labels and the vineyards that I've been working with for five, six, seven, oh, eight good. years where I'm like, okay, these are the photos that I've seen. These are the wines that I've tried. Uh, so it's definitely cool. It's definitely more romantic. I mean, I like breweries because they're all like next to each other, and you can mm. just kind of walk them. Yeah, you mm. can't walk wineries. That's just no, not yeah, gonna you're, work. No. You're, you're either getting a ride because after the first one or two, you're feeling good. Yeah, good. Or you drive yourself, but only go to one or two. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I, I drank a lot of beer in Sonoma and some wine at the same time. But we went through Napa and Yonsville. I got to see Bouchon and French Laundry. Some is that why you look so damn tan right now? You're tan. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that was... Uh, got some sun. I got some sun, yeah. We rented a convertible. It was a lot of fun. Oh, you did it the right way. Oh, that's yeah. a vacation. Yeah. We were up there for a wedding. It was awesome. Oh, wait. This has an intro... I'm not like oh, a huge whiny Yeah, we got an opinion here. Wiener. You're a wiener, bro. <laughs> it's, it's not a wiener. It's not a wine enthusiast. It has an interesting color to it. It does. This is lighter. It looks um, like grape juice. It does. kind of almost looks like a strawberry... Yeah, a strawberry or grape juice. Normally, rouge is just a reference to it being red, and then it's probably like a it's a blend. It's a Malbec type of blend, yeah. yeah. That's right. Good old blend. Mm. Well, I like it. Stacey. I like the chilled idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'd be better chilled this one. I, I like it's perfectly 54 degrees, right? Yep. That's Tastes like it. According to my it's right calculations, there. It yeah. like Martin Springs. <laughs> awesome. So, <laughs> today's topic, of course. Tell us about yourself first, and then we'll talk about Everly a little bit. What are... Go ahead. Just dive right in. Where, how did it start? Yeah. Okay. How did, uh, how did, how did you, you start as a person? As a person. After birth. Where back in the day, yeah. many moons and many, many beers ago. Um, first, I've, the one thing that's weird about me is like I never had that weird time where I was in like a really weird or bad restaurant or a sports bar. Uh, very first restaurant I worked at, I was 16. There was a dress code that was required. They only did a tasting menu, which is like 15 years ago. That was just not a thing that was around or yeah. really even heard of. Mm. You still kind of hear about it in Austin. Like you guys have Uchi, or we have Uchi. We have restaurants that understand tasting menus a little bit more than maybe that long ago. What is a tasting menu? Yeah, what is that? Perfect. So basically, yeah. like, you get nine courses. Instead yeah. of, like, having, like, an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert, you kind of have small bites and you kind of go through the process. So you get to try a lot of different flavors without kind of being overwhelmed by, like, one big entree. Yeah, it's oh. a different experience yeah. than what we're, I guess, traditionally used to when yeah. we go to a restaurant. When you time. normally go to a restaurant, you have some starters. You Everyone gets their own sandwich or their own plate, and then yeah. you might have share a dessert, and that's kind of how you do it. Uh, but a tasting menu is kind of like you get to try – there's always a different amount. They normally yeah, start at five. five. Or six or There's seven. even a restaurant called Counter uh, Five Three Five Seven where they did tasting menus based off those numbers. Oh, yeah, right near Swift's Attic. Yeah, between Swift's and Elephant Room. Yeah, right there. Cool. I um, have ex- experienced that. I just didn't know that was what it was called, the tasting menu. So. Yeah, I was at that restaurant for two years, and I went to a Spanish restaurant. Uh, this is all in Austin. This was in Scottsdale, Arizona. Ah, yes. Oh snap! Yeah, you so like Arizona? On the other side. I do in the dry. You're area. not a sun devil, are you? I'm guilty as charged. Oh my! Oh what? Yes. This is bad. Oh boy! Are you from U of A? Oh yeah, of course. Can't we'll you be cordial. You as long as we're, I always say, if we're not in Arizona, we can be nice to each other. We can. Other. Yeah. Once we're in Arizona, though, there's... Game over. It's game over. No. We're bringing the swords out. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I was at a Spanish restaurant for two years, uh, Spanish as in Spain. My grandmother always got it confused with Mexican food, which is not the case. Uh, as no. a lot of our guests would walk in, we'd be like, yeah, we'll start with the chips and salsa. I'll be like, this is uh, from Spain. Yeah. Not, not like, yeah. it's not south of the border food. 
Uh, we called it a tapas bar, which mm -hmm. is like the idea of Spanish dining, small plates. So we got confused with being a Mexican restaurant as well as a topless restaurant quite uh, often. Which in Scottsdale, that's a big deal. Yeah. If you think you're going to a topless bar And you show up and you see my ass, like, exactly. whew, huge disappointment. <laughs> a lot of disappointed old yeah. men. I was, uh, <laughs> I do love tapas though. Yeah, it's there's not much Spanish food around here. Uh, it's definitely it's, it's its own genre of food. A lot of octopus, paella, uh, abrinos, so as far as the wine, Rioja, as far as the wine. Uh, I bartended there for two years. I started bartending at 19 at a very high end place that had 40 different wines by the glass. I was in entirely over my head, and the idea that they gave me any sort of that responsibility was absolutely insane of them. Yeah, um, they trusted you, they did. Well, it was great because like I took it really, really serious, and everyone else was older than me. So we'd go to these like wine tastings, and like I paid attention while everyone else was just like getting really loaded. Like, yeah. What are they doing? What are these adults doing? Like this is class time. Let's roll. Right. Uh, which I quickly learned uh, later in my career that was fairly normal. But I'm sure that that experience for you was helpful to totally. really dive in and, and learn totally. the craft as a 19 year old. Yeah, and even my first chef, Deborah Knight, she was on Chopped like the first season. Uh, then I worked for Aaron May, who's on Guys Grocery Games. He was, you know, he's a famous chef, and he goes all over to like Pebble Beach and does food things along those lines. Uh, then from there, I worked for the W Hotel in Scottsdale for four and a half years. Bartending. Bartending, yeah. Uh, we were the second biggest food and beverage W outlet in North America. I think behind W South Beach. Wow. Uh, it was four bars. Wow. It was ins it was insanity. It was just a, it was just a lot of volume of people. Mm. Uh, hotels were really, really cool because you had regulars from all over the world. That was like my favorite aspect. That's crazy. Like you'd oh, have people cool. from Japan that came in every quarter to, and to, Scottsdale. to Scottsdale for business meetings. So they would stay at the hotel. So you'd see regulars from all over the world like That's cool. every month or every quarter, or every six months or every year. You'd see wow. the same people. So it was weird to have regulars from pretty much all over the place. Uh, yeah. Scottsdale was good for that. That's why they've gotten the Super Bowl so many times. They have the infrastructure of hospitality. They have the airport. They have the infrastructure of hotels, convention mm -hmm. space. I mean, they literally in the last 10 years, they'll, or in, the, in 10 years, they'll have the Super Bowl three times. They've had NBA All-Star Weekend, MLB All-Star Weekend, uh, the Final Four. They have the Fiesta Bowl every year. So it yeah. definitely was cool to see all those sporting events. So why well, do you go from that to the best city Austin, the best city texas. austin texas oh my god my story is so similar to a lot of people uh, i decided one day i was over at scottsdale no. so i packed everything i owned and left and came here without a job oh did you bring your guitar i did not no i'm oh, terrible man, at all dude. musical instruments um <laughs> and my typical taste in music is terrible uh i like country music hey hey that's pop not country terrible. well which okay, i get judged on a lot yeah. but i'll be honest about it i won't tell anybody no well, that's good it's okay I used to listen to Creed, so Creed. You don't anymore. Well, you know, Every, if it comes on, you don't turn it off. Definitely, <laughs> I don't turn it off. So it's cool. I've been clowned on that my whole life. It's fine. Uh, after this I got is here, a good city to to yeah. just end Land. up in. You know, uh, and I really found that my story is not that original. When I hired, when I did my hiring for Eberly, I'm like, how'd you land here? And they literally seventy five percent of my staff told me that exact same story. Like, I just heard it was a great place to be. Yeah. Uh, I visited one time. I liked the beer scene. I liked the open-mindedness. Scottsdale doesn't really have a culture. doesn't really have an identity. Oh. I think Austin's good at having, like, open-mindedness of local things, local art, uh, craft movements, yeah. music, art festivals, food trucks, live music, um, art installations, traveling art. And Arizona doesn't really have an identity. It wasn't really... It didn't really blossom until about the 50s where anyone even paid attention to it as far as being a place to live well, and outside of the university. Arizona State is a huge part of that, yeah. the culture there, and then, just because it's gotten so group. big. Yeah. By the time I left, I think there were 65,000 mm -hmm. students or something wow. crazy well, like that. Yeah, it's humongous. Way bigger than you. 65,000. That's crazy. Yeah. So Jeez. then what was your first gig here? Was it Searsack? Uh, no. As soon as I got here, I got a job entirely too fast uh, at a place called Pesce. Who's that? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. It's a classic oh, cocktail and absinthe lounge on Colorado and 4th Street. 4th. Yeah. I'm familiar. Uh, Why do you say you got it too fast? Uh, I was within 24 hours of being here. Oh. I was just like, I don't even know how I got here. I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know how I parked. I like, I you just did a Google search. Phoenix and didn't have, no, I was a foot soldier. I just got my resumes. I'm like, so my dad was like, you're moving out of the state and you don't have a job. What are you doing? I'm like, I got to get a job to get them off my back. Yeah. So like, I literally <laughs> just printed off some resumes and I just walked around the city. Wow. And they're like, you start tomorrow. I'm like, 
I don't know if that's a good idea, but I'm yeah. like, I need a job. It'd be stupid to say no. Did you have a place to live? Like, you had Yeah, I literally had an apartment. Oh, it was probably maybe like three days after I landed because I think I slept for 20 hours after I got here because yeah. we did the 17-hour haul just right through and unpacked the entire apartment and then crashed. It's fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, Peche, I was there for six months, and they're known for being kind of like a hub of uh, – successful bartenders in the city i mean you got justin elliott who's a one of the most successful i guess you could say mixologists who's working with uh southern glaciers and then their newest bar manager just got promoted to another mixologist for the state and then you have thurman jenkins who is the national mixologist for republic uh the guy that did bar rescue the yeah. the bartender that helped uh tafford out was from peche Justin Elliott and Dennis Gobez of the Roosevelt Room, uh, Josh Loving of Small Victory. Roosevelt all started there. What? A lot of those bartenders, a lot of them, they, that was like that was a launching point. It was kind of like oh. a rite of passage in the city. It was really an interesting. Roosevelt just one bar of the year, right? They did. They do a few. I've still not been there, and I've heard amazing things. With a lot of friends it's, have gone it's there. It's just everything's just next level. It's just it just takes. I mean, they have a centrifuge. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's crazy shit. So then from Pesha? Uh, Seersucker. Um, my network in Scottsdale actually got me the job in Seersucker. There's a Seersucker that opened up in Scottsdale. They didn't last very long, but my barman or my GM at the W was like, hey, when you guys open up Seersucker in Austin, I got a guy if you need an employee. Got network. So my network in Scottsdale got me my job at Seersucker. Um, I launched as the bar manager. I was 25 which is like, again, a really stupid idea of them to like, hmm. uh, every bartender. Sure. I, ish. I don't want to say <laughs> more of an ish. Uh, every bartender I had was older than me, which was a huge learning challenge for me. Yeah. Um, However, you created a lot of that menu, right? Yeah, I pretty much on. had full reign on it. Um, eventually, I realized I couldn't be behind the bar forever, so I went to the floor, um, and I left that restaurant as the assistant general manager about three and a half years later, four years later. I've always been at places for quite some time. Outside of the Peche, I was there for six months, and I got an opportunity to be a manager, so I, I bowed jump peacefully. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and Seersucker was by a big celebrity chef, Brian Malarkey. Uh, he was on Chopped. He was the judge on The Taste. He's all over huh. food and beverage, TV, and things along those lines. And Seersucker San Diego won Best Restaurant of the Year. His other restaurant, his new little restaurant, uh, Urban Wood won one of the best restaurants in San Diego, so huh. it came with a name, which was fun. Wow. And, and the cool thing is, I knew, or I know, Tyler's wife. That's how we yes. met. Yes. Uh, met in college, good friends, and um, sh- I was there when you were at Seersucker and transitioned to Everly. Yeah. And we're st- was starting that whole thing up. And yeah. So tell me about that experience as... Starting a bar fresh, which you kind of did at Searsucker as well, but but yeah. for sure at Eberly, right? Yeah. Like you had full. I it was interesting because Eberly is a one of one restaurant. A lot of people think that it is like this big New York restaurant group or something crazy along those lines. It was uh, mm. it's it was the guys that founded Stubbs. Oh, sure. Uh, so John Scott and Eddie Patterson, and it all resol- revolved around that really old bar that we bought in the back, the old bar from 1866. Yes, uh, they bought Whoa, that thing about that 12 years old. ago. Um, they were in New York going to NYU and they were shipping in Stubberfield's barbecue uh, from Texas, which is who Stubbs is, Stubberfield. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, well, let's open a barbecue restaurant in New York. And they're like, no, let's open up one in Texas. And that's kind of how Stubbs got started. Those are the guys you should talk to next. Their stories are insane. I bet. Uh, so they eventually ended up parting ways with Stubbs as far as the sauce line was concerned. They sold it to McCormick. Um, and they were regulars of the Cedar Tavern Bar in New York when it lived there for 150 years. Uh, Cedar so Tavern Bar? It's called the Cedar Tavern. It's okay. the old bar at Eberly. Yeah, the, yeah. the actual, the actual the bar, bar, physical bar. Yeah, and we actually own the rights in North America to the bar, the Cedar Tavern. We copyrighted it. So oh. nowhere else can call themselves the Cedar Tavern. Uh, they were regulars there. So when it went up for sale, the guy that was in charge of brokering, out, brokering it pretty much called him up and was like, John Eddie, you guys want this? Uh, they I heard it was big bucks. It wasn't as expensive as you would think. It's definitely higher value now. Cause it, Somebody told me it cost 700000 bucks. Uh, I can't quote the price exactly, but it's valued at more than it is when we got it. Uh, right. It was always in a shithole. Like, uh, it li- did not live in the nicest areas. Like, mm. it literally was a dive bar. It was one of the cheapest places in the area to drink. And back in around the 50s, artists kind of self-segregated themselves. And that was an old artist bar for, like, Jackson Pollock, Andy Warhol, Bob Dylan, Jack Kerouac. 
uh, Liechtenstein, uh, Jimi Hendrix. They all used to. That so was the regular think, spot. So you, yeah, while you're what? while you're sitting at that bar in Eberly, you're yeah. essentially at the same bar that all these like crazy influential people in our yeah. and just country. Just describe it because when you see it, I mean, I have like a knack for the old, yeah, you know, antiqueish thing. I love that. When you see it, it's like beautiful. It's it goes stunning. floor to ceiling. How tall yeah. is it? Ten feet? Uh, I think feet? a little bit taller than that. Uh, but they bought it like twelve years ago, and it lived in storage for. 10, 11, 12 years until they're looking for a home for it. And originally, they just wanted to put it downtown in a shotgun bar with a dirt floor and just let oh. it live its life. And then they found this property, and then Eberly kind of evolved into what it is now, which is nothing wow. like How a dirt floor. How do you transport that? Uh, we hired a company that specializes in high-end pianos, moving high-end pianos, and they mm-hmm. shipped it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did not get it in good shape. Uh, oh, took really? a master carpenter's name's Jonah, about eight straight months to put it back together. Really wow. no high-resolution photos or any instruction manual. We had one extra piece left. That I know. Wow. And we knew where so we it's we like going to that. Ikea. Huh. And you never and really putting seen something it. together yeah. without, yeah, without ever seeing it and without a manual. No. Jeez. Just. Oh, so it was, it came in pieces. It oh, oh yeah. Gosh. It came in like between like six and eight hundred pieces. Oh, my God. That's insane. Uh, the crown was the last thing to go on. Uh, from an artistic perspective, it makes people's head hurt. Like if you're really into art, because it has French influence, it has Latin influence, it has Roman influence, it has this can't be happening. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can see someone being like, "This doesn't make sense." I've literally witnessed it. I'm just like, just no, people say, "Enjoy that. the drink, dude. So yeah. Have a good time." Yeah. Uh, but you get to hear these crazy, crazy stories. Like uh, we had a com- we had a couple fly in town for their fiftieth wedding anniversary because they met sitting at that bar. What? Fifty years prior. Wow. Uh, the GM of Bangers came in one day. He's like, "I had my first Manhattan sitting at that bar when I was 19." Dude. That's so cool. Love Bang. So this is a this is, is a, a famous. Wh- and where is this? Where was uh, Greenwich so Village? So have you ever seen the movie Gangs in New York? Yeah. yeah. So when that movie was time framed, that bar was in the Five Points District in the gang area pouring drinks, <laughs> just to kind of say like wow. this is where it origined. That's so cool. And there's bullet holes. There's stab holes. 1860s. 1866. So this is this is only one section of Eberly, and of, I've been I went yeah. there for. The New Year's a couple years ago when you guys yeah. did the Gatsby thing. Greenly, oh my God. Yeah. Greenly, if you're hearing me, man. That was you were hard to throw out of the kitchen. I had a friend who joined, and uh, he's about 6'8", <laughs> and he was a little, about more, six, than, eight, a little, a little yeah. more than intoxicated. Yeah. And it was just uh, it was fun to... to he was uh, hanging out with the pastry chefs in the back. And no one could say anything because yeah. you got this 6'8 monster Giant there. Man, huh? So he's just... Chatting them up, being yeah. super friendly, but yeah, he's like, nice. we'll just, uh-huh. anyhow. So when we were there, there's a secret bar, right? Yeah, there's a. I can't tell anyone. So about. we have six different spaces. We're about fourteen thousand square feet. Whoa. Um, we're kind of like a hotel without the rooms. The first area that you enter is more like the hotel dining room, formal dining room reservations. A little bit more quiet. Uh, a little Fancy. more like paced out dining. From the Cedar Tavern's like the lobby bar. It's first come, first serve. It's got couches and high top tables and things along those lines. A little more approachable food. And then we have a hidden bar behind that bar called the Cannon Room. Cannon Room. Yeah, it's our private dining room. It holds about 70 people standing and then about 16 people seated for like a sit down dinner. Can you rent it, the whole room? You can rent the whole room. Yeah. Wow. We've had some, it, it's completely self sufficient. It's got its own entrance, its own bathrooms, its own bar. So it's really good. It's very flexible. I've literally seen from celebrities to politicians to. Uh, it's good for like surgical companies because they can show surgeries because there's not um, nobody can see anything. Um, oh. I've seen dueling karaoke, fashion shows, live music. We had what? major laser playback there. We've had it's just, really it's been weird. You're kidding. It's been weird. Well, it's not that big of a space too. So it, I mean, they made the <laughs> bottles fall off the bar almost. It was wow. rattling the glass. <laughs> That's awesome. It was fun. And then we have a 150 person event space on the roof. Oh, I had no idea of that. Is yeah. that? Do y'all cover fully temperature up? regulated? Uh, never. We haven't done it to the public. We do uh, mm. just to do a small plug. We do a sunset sessions, which is our live music showcase. It's the last Sunday of every month. Uh, we have a giant dog this coming Sunday, um, and then we have giant white denim playing. A giant dog is a oh, band. Is that a band? Oh. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> we're about we're we're about eighty percent sold on that. And then we have we have white denim playing next week. We had Tamika Jones play the week before or the month before. And then we had uh, Will Schaefe of Oakerville River, and then we'll do a fall music series as well. Nice. So at the yeah. say that again. The last it's the last Sunday of every month. Cool. You pay for it, Sounds or you fun. can just show up it's and a, listen. It's a ticketed event. Okay. So it's a, it's the idea of like no bad seats. Yeah. Uh, normally these people have 
they're playing a thousand person venues. I mean, we're only selling 150 tickets, so that's awesome. There's literally no bad place to sit. What's the what's the vibe? I guess. Or first off, what's the food? Genre? Yeah. Uh, I call it New American Classic with a coastal influence. I know that sounds cheeky, uh, but anything from scallops to different cuts of beef, different cuts of pork. Um, we have vegetarian, vegan, very dietary, like accommodating. Mm -hmm. uh, we're sourcing everything the best that we possibly can. Doing, We're getting subprimal cuts of meat and breaking them down in-house. Uh, all of our breads are made every day. It's, nice. uh, it's definitely a fun thing to watch. What's a staple dish over there? Oh my gosh, I wish I... Does it change? It changes. We change our menu probably once a week. Oh, oh wow. Uh, so things just Son consistently rotate. It's right. a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work, yeah. Is that is that on you? <laughs> it's on everybody. Uh, nothing in the restaurant is ever one person. Sure. Yeah. But we, I mean, changing one item is reprinting all of the menus, redoing all of the sourcing, redoing all of the menu matrices for training, redoing the website, redoing... It's like a 10-step process to change just one item or just change a vegetable. And right before we got on air, you said that you guys house, or I guess have at least, what, 800 people coming through? Yeah, on a Saturday between the morning shift and the night shift, between brunch and dinner, there's probably about 800 people that will come through the building. Wow. Probably 2,000 people a week. That's well, crazy. It's, it's, what's, your, what's your recommended drink of choice at the bar? Oh, man. As of right now, we have... A fair, there's a really cool cocktail called the Drunken Monk right now. It's a clarified milk drink. Mm. So basically, if you suspend so the lactose, and basically you can clarify citrus with milk. It's an old practice that sailors used to do to make for, as a preservative because that's what would actually spoil anything. Um, mm. So it's a or it's a it's a chartreuse cocktail that's completely see through, but it has an assortment of citrus in it, which is a really really fun idea to do. Huh. Does yep. it taste good? It's excellent. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Dane. He made that drink. That's but our awesome. bar program is great. Our bar manager, Bruce, does a really, really good job. Do you so. have beers on, on draft? Yeah, beer is a really weird category for yeah, us. That sounds good. Uh, we should try that. Beer is about between 1.5 and 2.5% of our overall sales. So it's almost negligible. Well, people, I would imagine people come there and yeah. you feel a little classy. Yeah. You're going to drink wine or, or a cocktail. Yeah. It's uh, one of those things. Those categories will kind of switch. Uh, and the winter, wine sells more. And okay. the summer, liquor sells more. Huh. As a seasonal thing. What do you guys think about this wine so far? I like it. There's not much left, so I guess. I would always go for whiskey or, or beer over wine. Yep. I'll, I'll drink it. But I like those drinks. Maybe you need some fish. I need some some uh, sushi. Sushi to go with sushi. it. Sushi. I love wine a couple times a week for sure. I just I like don't beer get too, it. But Are you able to being a bartender? Like, do you taste notes and all that? Yeah, uh, it's it's just like training <laughs> or doing anything else. It's like you don't know that that is an old world wine until someone explains what that means or what that tastes like. Yeah, like you can use the most ridiculous, like my psalm, Krista, who's a badass. Oh, you uh, have one? Yeah, we have a full-time song. All right, Not on. many people have that luxury, and we do. Uh, yeah. One time I described a wine as fastly pulled seatbelt, and she got mad at me. But it's more <laughs> like, you know, when you fastly pull a seatbelt, you can kind of, like, smell, like, a little bit of that rubber, that plastic, that's after it's been hot. Huh. And then I really pissed off this one winemaker where I said it smelled like used catcher's mitt. He didn't like that one. But that's like, <laughs> it smelled like used dirty leather like to me. And it's, it's all subjective. There's no such thing as a right or wrong. So mm. the one thing that helped me with that when I went to actually the wineries more recently is we had, they had fruits in, and this is like one of his, um, what's the, I can't, trying try to think of the name of the place. I think it's called Narrow Path where uh, that's the winery. They sit there and to educate people, they have glasses of wine with the fruit in it. Okay. And then you go and smell it and you it's actually, strange. yeah, and then, and then you taste the wine and you can smell it too. I mean, it's, I wouldn't have been able to do that before that. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm good at doing it now, but I understand a little bit, you know, it's not like it's totally clueless to me now, but do I do you, enjoy. Do you get it? What? Did you get the whole wine <laughs> that, thing? That's a good example. Yeah. The, um, I get it. I get how you have to match it with the right food. There's tannins, which make it a little more. Tannic. Dry. Yeah. Tannic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what they do. I went to Italy mm -hmm. for my honeymoon a few years ago, and I was like, Tannin's I know. Tough. 
I know it's going to happen. Like, I'm going to have yeah. this epiphany, and I'm going to finally get it. No. Nope. Italian's tough when it comes to wine. Like, that's a, those are those are more old world, old world styles, which is just not... It's, yeah. it's So wine is the same thing, just like beer or whiskey. Like, there's such a cultural influence, and it's all about what you can source. That's why wine over here tastes a lot different than wine from Napa. Yeah. If you're Appalachian, you have your wind exposure, you have your sun exposure, you have your altitude... You have your how close you are to seawater. It's yeah, the same the thing with like why scotch would taste different than why American whiskey would taste different than what Japanese whiskey would taste different mm-hmm. than so on and so forth. Same mm-hmm. thing with like beer. It's like, what can you get? How close is it? Where did it grow? What temperature was it? Those things kind of all affect everything. It's about creating consistency, which is... I think that's the beauty in it, though. It's, it's always different wherever you go. Yeah, there's definitely romance to it. It's just, I mean, I'm with you. I drink beer. Yeah. yeah. Do you notice people getting ciders at your spot? Do you all have cider? We do. We carry one cider. Well, which one is it? We only carry Austinese ciders. Okay. That's uh, the famous one. The I mean, big that's one. Probably yeah, the biggest the big one here, one. huh? Well, we only have we have eight beers on draft, uh, and we don't really carry any packaged beer. It's just kind of our way of recycling. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do carry cans of cider just in case. Mm-hmm. Um, it tends to be more for people that have celiac, mm-hmm. so they can't have gluten or it messes with them and yep. cider is a safe option which is everyone now in austin there's a few <laughs> people will hand us gotta have gluten-free talk about that identity. people will hand us literally we're one of those places where like someone will walk in and be like here's everything i can i cannot have oh my it's gosh yeah or they die and it's on you yeah it's yeah. on you to make sure that like what? everything yeah, on if someone has a shellfish off. allergy or like a peanut allergy we call them like the death allergies yeah like it's like it's everyone knows exactly they're at table 124 position three mark that ticket Clean your boards. Wear, put your glove. Put gloves on. Restart. Yeah, like it's it's a very not what you want to be known for over at Everly. No, it's it, but it's super humbling that literally someone that and the thing is that's one of those things that I take really serious and that's meaningful is that people might that person doesn't go out to eat very often because they don't trust people. So the <coughs> fact that they're like, hey, well, I trust you guys. Yeah, they mm-hmm. don't have any options. You gotta crush it. You gotta kill it for them. Yeah. Same thing with like anniversaries or birthdays. Like you have. There's 1,700 plus registered liquor licenses in the city and even more restaurants. So let's just say there's 2,000 places to eat within 15 miles. We were a one in 2,000 chance that they came in for that special occasion. Yep. Dang. You gotta murder it. Like, you gotta kill it. You gotta be on your point. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah, it, it's an odds game. That's just like, it's super cheesy, but at the same time, like, it's, it's like an honor, I guess you could say, in, in a way that, like, they picked us to come celebrate something special. Yeah. I've seen celebrations from like people finding out that their adoption papers went through engagements, wow. uh, wedding anniversaries, wedding celebrations. Like it's the amount of people that have gotten married at the restaurant. They they will always remember that. They came right from the courthouse. They had a courthouse wedding, and they came over in their wedding dress and their their suit, and they had dinner with us. Like they wow. will remember that meal for the rest of their lives. Yeah, that's awesome. So I guess that leads into the next question: What's the most fun part of your job? Oh, I get to meet people. I think that's a really cool thing that, you know, I, I, it's, a, it's a hard job. It's so funny. The other day I went to the optometrist. I talked to three different people that had no idea that I talked to them. And every single person I talked to the front lady, she goes, what do you do for a living? I'm like, I run a restaurant. She goes, oh, that's hard. <laughs> then the nurse came in. He's like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, I run a restaurant. She's like, ooh, that's tough. And then the doctor came in. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I run a restaurant. She's like, oh, that's, that's a hard job. And I wanted to be like, I looked around. I'm like, this looks boring yeah. as hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It might be tough and the hours are difficult, but uh, you get to talk to everyone from all over the world in different countries. F1 comes in, you get to meet drivers, you mm. get to meet people from France, or Mexico City is huge for that event. Uh, South by Southwest, you get to meet people from all over the country and all over the world. Yeah. And it's the best thing about hospitality is that if done right, nobody loses. Um, a guest comes in, has a great experience. My server gets a tip so they can have a meaningful job and they can supply for themselves and their family. Uh, that means we sold food so our local farms and our local purveyors, we can continue to buy product from them and they can continue to grow their business. And then all three of those collectively add to being a meaningful part of a community, which is Austin, Texas. And at the very, very end is our investors. They get a return. The investors the just last. Yeah, it's an e- and in the end, everybody wins. There's yeah. not a person that got the short end of the stick. Makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Very cool. Um, well, what's the most challenging part of the job? Oh. Uh, managing expectations. For whom? Uh, staff and guests. Staff? Tell us uh, more about that. 
everybody I love, I've had people ask me, you should Google me because I couldn't get them a table. I'm like, yo, it's Saturday night on, on Valentine's Day or something. It's like, I just don't have a table for you. Google man. you? People say that? People say that. Uh, also, dealing <laughs> oh with people gosh. that are drunk is really funny. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, coming from being a bartender in Scottsdale, yeah. I'm sure you have plenty of experience with that. Totally. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, but it's the hardest thing is definitely just managing expectations, managing that many people, mm. um, saying there's 500 people in that restaurant. And managing a staff that big is definitely a challenge. Having, I think I have 90 staff members. At one time? Uh, all on payroll. Yeah, on yeah. payroll. Okay, okay. How, how many is typically on the floor and in the back of the house at once? Maxed out. Maxed out? Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, we would have eight servers, nine servers, 10 servers, 11, 12, 14 servers, four support staff members, uh, two food runners, 12 bartenders, four managers, five chefs. Wow. One on Garma, one on plate, one on inside, one on outside, one on pizza, one on grill, uh, one calling tickets, one on pastry, one on fry, one on cold station, one on pastry plate, <laughs> three in dish. This is forty fifty. Are you yeah. guys at? Are you I'm keeping not, track? That's a lot, man. <laughs> that's guns blazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you're and you're. It's a Saturday night. Orchestrating all of that. Yeah, and you know our staff is really, really good. That's the, been the blessing is that from management to hostesses to our dishwashers, they're all they're good at what they do. The best piece of advice that I ever got was the less you have to do, the better job you're doing. Yeah, that means everyone knows what they're supposed to do. They sure. know those expectations. Um, and you've hired right. It's hiring right and training right, and it's not just me. It's the managers below me. Sure. It's the server training the next server that comes on. It's everyone understands their job duties and responsibilities. So theoretically, I should just be able to kick it and everything, that means I'm doing a good job. If I have to run around and I'm constantly fixing problems, that means we didn't train our cooks right and the food's going out wrong, our server didn't tell somebody about something right or something along those lines. Like, yeah. So my goal every night is to do as little as possible, in theory. Mm. Are you the kind of guy that if someone writes a bad review, which I don't know if that happens, oh, that, totally. but All the time. do you personally reach out to them on Yelp or on Google, whatever. That's to it's a, I get that question a lot actually just from like casual guests. Uh, it's a slippery slope on how you respond to those things and like what you pick. Yeah. Because it's in most any industry, people want to know that they were heard versus agreed with. And totally. that's a mentality that you have to have. Like it's understanding that people just want to know that their opinion was heard versus necessarily me agreeing with them. Yeah. Um Oh, there's a lot of different platforms now too. It's so not many. just Yelp. There's like Yelp, Google, Open Table, Resi, Travel Advisor, Expedia. Like there's there's so many avenues for people to voice their opinion. I mean, but people a lot of times we keep our car, business cards at the front and they'll take a card and then they'll write us an email about what happened. Uh, and I reach out to as many as I can, or as many as I think that their their opinion is actually valid. Like you know, yeah. it, something did take too long. That sucks. Like something. You know, your server didn't explain something right and you didn't get the plate that you thought you were going to get. That sucks. Like, we missed. When you miss, like, if you want to take credit for the good, you also have to take credit for the bad. It seems like, like with, the, with the reviews, with all those websites, it's like there's people that they review any restaurant they go to, then there's people that don't, and then there's people that only review when they have a terrible experience or what they perceive totally as my, a terrible my experience. favorite my favorite one was this guy's only ever reviewed one re- or he viewed a couple restaurants and gas stations and he literally called out gas the general station. manager should be fired and i read that and i'm like this sucks like what happened then i went through all of his other reviews and he's like he was at the gas station and the guy didn't talk to him he's like that general manager should be fired he went to McDonald's and like oh they God. didn't like what the guy said. He goes, that general manager should be fired. So every review was a one star that he said the general know. manager should be fired. And I just got I got kind of got to get a kick out of it. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. I'm not responding to something point. along those lines. That Everly, they don't fun. serve beef jerky and sunflower like, seeds. We'll get that kind of stuff. <laughs> like we went to the tavern. Like where's chicken wings? Can I get a bucket of beer? It's like oh, we don't have those things. Like yeah. you can't make it happen. Like it's about managing expectations, and that's again going back to probably what's the most difficult thing is just because Everly's a lot of things to a lot of different people. Uh, it's a place that makes younger people feel older, and older people feel younger. So theoretically, in a marketing perspective, that's oh. bad. You want to be able to go like this, yeah, narrow, versus like open up. So huh. it's definitely managing those expectations is a challenge. You ever think about that one? That was deep. That, that's agree. actually a really when I yeah. when I went there, you do feel 
You feel classier. At least, of course, I went to yeah, a New Year's like, event. It felt like, exactly. You yeah. feel older and more sophisticated. Yeah. Is the valet in-house? Uh, valet, we contract the valet. Okay. It's a business move. They have their own insurance. We don't have to have liability in case something happens. That's smart. Mm. Um, but it's fully complimentary. Cool. Yeah. Just they work off tips. I used to be a valet driver in college. That job. Would, I, that's the one job at a restaurant that I would never want. Yeah. valet. We had valet yesterday. It was storming. It was pissing rain. And that's and a, what people want. Yeah. yeah. Oh. People don't want to park and no. go well, walk in. We, we couldn't operate without valet. Yeah. Like legally we couldn't operate. We, oh, really? we have to have LA. It's, uh, mm. it's a zoning issue with available parking spaces. Mm. Yeah, you're so, kind of in a good... I mean, you could drive by Eberly a hundred times mm. and never realize that it's this incredible restaurant. Yeah. Inside. I always say we, we got a fat ass. Like, it's a little up front. It's like, <laughs> bing! <laughs> so back, it's just like, it's huge. Just it's like, so true. When yeah. I first saw it, I was like, he mentioned... I remember, I guess it was you or Tracy, I can't remember, like, this is massive thousand square feet whatever yeah and then I'm saying no it's not then you walk in you're like, I saw the, the front I was this? like this Jeez. doesn't look that big and then yeah exactly yeah. So, very cool then with that hidden bar in the back and the and the rooftop the bar rooftop. it's just like just gets bigger yeah that's awesome so more on a personal note what what sort of fun things do you do in Austin what's yeah what well, do you love about the city there's Austin's great when it comes to outdoor activities and you know I like to go to Zilker we like to go to the park you know, I love Alamo Draft House. Like, there's oh, just yeah. things in the city that just aren't done the same in other cities, and I think that's absolutely its definition. A massive miscommunication about people that work in nice restaurants or operate in nice restaurants is that we just go to nice restaurants all the time. Mm. Like, that's what we do. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I thought. I like to drink <laughs> beer by the pool and uh. shoot pool and kind of just kick it. What's your favorite restaurant to just like that you'd go on a? Tuesday night and get a meal at Tuesday night. Uh, we go to Pine House Pizza a lot. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, off the North Burnett location. And then we like Kome. Kome, Kome oh, off Kome airport. Kome is so good. Kome is so good. It's the second sushi. time somebody brought that up. Sushi, very sushi. good. Well, they, they have the really good actually, they have the little pop up in uh, Fairground. Mm-hmm. Kome. Oh, yeah. did they? Yeah. Oh. Mm. Didn't know that. So, what kind of pizza do you get? Uh, pepperoni, pineapple, and jalapeno. And then I normally drink hazy IPAs. Sounds banging. <laughs> you know, you know, you know it's like order. Joe's Magic Pills if I'm feeling light. Wow. I don't, I don't agree with you on the pineapple, but I'll... I get I'll that a lot. Say. That's why I, I was like, pineapple. you know, I needed to own it. I needed to, you to hold on to it. Yeah. I like pineapple and ham. On pizza? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What do you wish people knew about working with waitstaff in the restaurant? Uh, and restaurant managers? Uh, I think there's, a, again, there's always misconceptions. Like more right educated industry. public here. Yeah. 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 Uh, my servers are professionals. Like, if you really dive it down, the restaurant industry is no different than most any other commodity in- industry in the world. Um, we're in sales. All we are in small increment, high volume sales. Mm-hmm. The more you sell, the more you can make. The more you know, the more you sell, the more you can make. We have to buy things, we have to modify things, and then we sell them to a consumer. And my staff really has that mentality. I mean, I have like, multiple level one psalms, level two psalms, Cicerones, bar one certs. Uh, they are professional, professional employees. Um, there's this, there's always like the idea that like it's not a real job. They pay real taxes. They work real hard. They get real certifications. They buy expensive wine as an education. They split it amongst themselves. They go out and try food, not just from a perspective of consu- like eating and like substance, but like actually to understand the processes. They go to farms to see the animals that we're working with and see the, 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 uh, the herbs and the people that we're having these partnerships with. Uh, again, you know, there is that side of people just kind of floating through life as far as Peter Pan's, but my staff's like all pro. This is, this is the difference between craft, you know, bars and restaurants as opposed to, you know, going down, catching a quick beer somewhere. Like, totally. I mean, you can tell very well educated, very into what you're doing, knowledgeable yeah. about every single subject. You don't even drink much wine, but you can tell me every. And type they're of and wine they're and ten times better than me. Yeah, that's all crazy. Like I know a, I know a few things about a lot, and then they know a lot about a lot. Like as far as wine list, man, you could ask them about Appalachians, altitudes, about our current wine list, mineralities, soil content, winemakers. And that's cool because it adds. I mean, ultimately, it, it adds, adds to, to the. 
Well, that's the whole experience of anyone that walks in the door to Eberly. Like, you have the physical beauty of it. Yeah. And then you sit down, you're like, wow, I'm really getting, like, this is first class It has to match. Like, our our building's so beautiful, but, like, the food sucks. You're like, well, that didn't match. The you don't service want people sucks. coming that just for the ambiance. That doesn't match, yeah. and that's that's a, a blessing of us to have that building. But it's really been one of those bars that's been put in front of us that we'll never catch. That you know, we always have to have the idea that we need to match the space. We need to match the environment. Like some people just they miss that. In uh, another aspect, people in our industry, they have a hard time going out eating other places when you're at the top of your game, because you just notice everything. Sure. Oh everything if there's a if a glass is sat somewhere too long if there's a linen that wasn't folded if someone's chair didn't get pushed back in if someone didn't ask to take someone's coat it's kind of like one of those like you gotta yeah. go to, you gotta go on with like yeah. blinders okay interesting which is, which is a weird makes one. sense which is why you just you avoid those nicer high-end places just go straight well some of these places but... like absolutely completely kill it and then you know i've definitely had experiences in the city where even tracy my wife if she notices that it's bad, yeah, yeah. Then she knows I'm dying. Yeah. Like, literally, there was this place where like I could hear them polishing silverware behind me for like an hour and a half, and I'm like, how like does nails. nobody notice? They're just like polish, clink, <laughs> polish, clink, and I'm like, yeah, oh, it was tough to watch. Not the best experience. Nails on a chalkboard. So what's next? What What are the aspirations? Do you want to one day own your own establishment like this? Do you want to? Yeah, totally. I think uh, Austin. Just to go back to what Austin is, Austin is just more educated consumers. Very savvy people here. Yeah, but it, most people associate like educated consumers with like eating healthy. Austin's just more genuinely curious about what they buy mm-hmm. and what they consume. I mean, that could be the cigarettes they're smoking, the jeans that they're wearing, the shoes on their feet, the grocery store that they're buying their herbs from. They're just more involved. Mm. They're asking about the beer and asking about like what the hops are. They're asking about the fermentation process. They're going to wineries and they're asking about like, you know, growth periods and things along those lines. Uh, and I think there's a in the restaurant industry things are starting to separate. Like, the middle guys are going to have a harder time versus like that fast, casual, and healthy, which is definitely the next movement. Like the flower childs and high note that yeah. just opened yeah. up as our neighbors because people are just more genuinely invested in what sure. they're consuming. And then the more high-end places will continue to thrive because the city is financially in that position Mm -hmm. to have that. Uh, So for me, what I want to open up is a brewery that serves healthy food. As of right now, my wife is super in health. She's a PE teacher. We always have a struggle of where we want to eat because, you know, I want to drink good beer, but it's where we go to drink really good beer as far as, like, breweries are concerned. Chicken wings and whatever else. It's chicken wings, pizzas, barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, if there's a nice place to, like, you know, have, like, and it's a subconscious idea as well, like, I drink beer, but I ate healthy. I'm good yeah. to go. Yeah. But then when you're like, I drank beer and I had pizza, okay, I'm not allowed to do something for, for three days or four yeah. days. That's true. Uh, I want to open up a place that's not your cheat meal. Something can you just have wings, have. though, for me? Yeah, baked wings. Okay. We'll have wings. So I want to, I want to support you wings. and go to your brewery. but I'll definitely have you know <laughs> your traditional food, but I want everything to have intentions. Like, I mean, no, it's no. a cool concept. This You're just like, well, we have to have wings. We have to have this. Right. And it just happens to exist there versus like, did someone really think this out? Was this, this was really, you really thought about this and this was really like, yep, we're doing this. Yeah. This is a good, this is an educated decision that I am consciously making. It's like, I don't think so. Love that. So what's that? Five years? couple years? Ten years? Oh, I don't have the legs to do it in ten years. It's got to be within the next five. Okay. I'll be on the lookout. Sounds Let's like a hoot. Let's do it. Well... Thank you. This has been awesome. Do you guys have anything else, other questions to ask? Do you have anything to add? You guys are doing a great job. This is really cool for the city. This is really cool for small businesses um, and the range of businesses. So keep it up. Can you tell people where to find Everly physically and on the web? Absolutely. Uh, EverlyATX.com. Same thing with our handles. Uh, we pretty much use Instagram and Facebook as far yep. as social is concerned. At Everly ATX? Yeah, at Everly ATX. And then we're located on 615 South Amar. We're actually big enough to occupy two addresses, but we'll go with 615. Nice. We are a big white building. It's the old ARC print shop. We are just down the road from our epic neighbors, uh, Uchi. So. Yes. Uchi and the bike shop. We're between the bike shop and Uchi. Yeah. 
and it is it is cool check it out if you haven't we will make sure to tag you guys um, and get some people through uh, I mentioned this podcast I'll give you half off your beer there, there you, you go. go what <laughs> one of eight draft beers Deal. one of them yeah I'm going to be in there every day this week <laughs> what's yeah. doing ATX yeah. <laughs> awesome well thank you really appreciate it as always we have oh. at the end of the show the Greg Carlson what is it called the weekly brew 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 <laughs> <laughs> Where's my backup on that? Ian, what's guys? the weekly brew today? <laughs> well, a recent report just came out, and it analyzed more than 500 cities to find the best place for young families in 2019. They looked at safety, rent affordability, education quality, so they were looking at graduation rates, um, and child essential. friendliness. What? The kids How the are hell friendly? do you think they measure child friendliness? No, no, no bullying. Take them to a restaurant? Yeah, there's probably like secret, not secret shoppers, but there's like little undercover testers. It's like somebody just hiding, like watching the kids. Just watching. Reports of fights or something. No, I don't know. But um, they they named an Austin suburb. Can you guys guess? Circle C. <laughs> Cedar Park. Have you guys ever been up there? Cedar mm-hmm. Park. So oh. Cedar Park landed at number seven. Right. Out of 500 cities. Which is north of Austin. That's north crazy. West-ish. Northwest. You take Mopac north and then hit 183. Mm. You'll end up in Cedar Park. They scored an A-plus rating. Um, they scored the best in the ch- in the category of child, child friendliness. friendliness. So go up to Cedar Park. If you got kids, they might make some friends. There's a good chance <laughs> of it. Um, Low fight rating. Yes, a little weird. But no uh, yeah. the city of Austin actually ranked number 208. So oh. um, we are not... We do not have the friendliest children here. Why is that? Why are we ranked so high? Well, there are some other cities, other Texas cities, Dallas, San Antonio, Houston, that ranked, ranked low, mostly because of graduation rate mm. and safety. Okay. So we all think it's safe, but maybe if you have kids living and, I don't know, if you drop them off on the east side, <laughs> just keep an <laughs> on eye on Dirty Sixth Street. <laughs> dirty Sixth Street, yeah. keep they an eye on They don't handle well. Um, Interesting. So Cedar Park, if you have families coming in from, uh, I mean, as a realtor, we get calls all the time. People coming from out of state, yeah. California, New York, Florida, and they are looking at those Round Rock, Cedar Park, Georgetown areas that have awesome schools. So maybe totally. that's why. There you go. Cool. All righty, that's the weekly brew. Well, guys, there you have it. Another great episode. Thank you, Tyler, for telling us all about Everly and your story. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, we hope you enjoyed some insights. And you'll go check out Eberly. Remember to check them out at EberlyATX. Yeah, that's us. And, uh, of course, be on the lookout for our next week's episode for some tips from the real estate bros. We're going to have our second series. It says, um, it says pros. It says real estate pros. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, bros sounds better. Yeah. Uh, it is our second part of our three-week real estate series. So be ready for that. Whether you live in Texas or not, you won't want to miss it. Of course, as always, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. We'd love that five-star rating if we deserve it. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at What's Brewing ATX. And be sure to tune in next week. Take it easy, guys. <laughs> See you. <here. laughs>